If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. I like you just the way you are. You're braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Parenting is a sacrifice, it's exhausting, it's expensive, at times it feels thankless, but eventually you die. Welcome to the Kid Doc Good Job Being the Mom podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping mothers and fathers through supporting, enabling, and empowering them in their amazing role as parents. Hello. Hey, Em. <laughs> well, we get to talk about ages 11 to 12 today, which is exciting. Just a fun part of life. <laughs> and that's kind of an oxymoron 11 to 12 year old and being fun part of life <laughs> i know moving from child to preteen. <laughs> yep. um before we get started though let's talk about our favorite hikes hmm. what's your favorite hike you've done i think mine is probably half Mm-hmm. yosemite it is beautiful and appropriately hard as well. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it has the scary climb at the very end. And then you feel like you're on the top of a world, which is kind of ironic because as far as elevation goes, it's comparable to, I think it's 8,000 feet. And so it's actually like not that high um, in comparison to other hikes, but because it's you, I think you gain about like 4,000 feet in elevation. So, mm-hmm. given the terrain, it's still a high altitude gain over the course of 20 ish miles. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that one, that one was beautiful and kind of iconic. So, I'd say that's probably my favorite one I've done so far. Well, I think I, I've enjoyed a couple of hikes later on in life in Coyote Gulch and in the Escalante area. And then, um, probably uh, just the subway and stuff like that. But I think my favorite hike, I was really fortunate where my dad was a scout leader when I was really young. And I got to go hike a good portion of a John Muir trail when we were living in Southern California. And it went from Yosemite, it's actually the same starting points over to Fresno. And so the the 10 day hike kind of of point to point, just really, you know, way back in, you know, 10 days of backpacking, um, just super fun to be in, you know, the Sierra Nevada, super great mountains. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I listened to an audiobook that talks about the history of the national parks, and it starts by talking about John Muir mm-hmm. and how he was in San Francisco, and he asked someone like, "Where are the mountains?" He's like, "I mm-hmm. have to get out of this place. <laughs> yeah. Too too much hustle and bustle." And then he kind of stumbled upon Yosemite. So, yep, the Sierra Nevada is a pretty choice, including yeah, Yosemite. Totally. Well, awesome. Let's jump in and talk about junior high. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those big transition visits, kind of like starting elementary school. And so, what do you think makes junior high such a daunting time of life, Em? Oh, man. Well, I mentioned that you're kind of transitioning from little kid to preteen you have more responsibilities your body's changing people are kind of mean they don't know that it's (laughs) cool to be nice at this point Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And so I think there are just a lot of internal and external factors that make life a little bit challenging as you're transitioning from child to to preteen. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to include a little segment where on Studio C, they have this Frankenstein type scene where Matt is playing as this mad scientist saying, Igor, come quickly, it's finished. Igor says, what master? Matt says, my evil creation, which will bring untold misery to mankind. I call it junior high. And uh, it's a really fun little Studio C episode. So, (laughs) and I think the areas you want to focus on in this visit focus a lot on what makes this age really challenging. Yeah. And adolescence doesn't need to be a time that you lose your fun, loving child as they become a teenager. I totally agree. I think we ascribe a lot of the behavior we call teen behavior to becoming a teenager. And it doesn't have to be that way. I think that any of their problematic changes that go along with how they manage the new challenges that come with this age, the new stressors, make them look like they're having a lot of challenges, but it doesn't really have to be a really bad time of life. Sure. So the areas we want to focus on are mental health, sleep, and healthy self-esteem. So let's cover mental health first. Yeah, at this visit, I do my first mental health screening. I start at age 11. And so I always screen for anxiety and depression with a little questionnaire. It's really just a chance to ask these young people, how are you doing? And it's really interesting because I have these smart, popular, seemingly successful child who cries every day. And it's um, a chance to really help decrease the impact of mental health disorders in my patients. And you can't totally eliminate the risk, but you can help mitigate the risk. But these are things that just have to be talked about and brought out into the sunshine so that they have a chance to be able to um, have some questions asked about how they're doing. Absolutely. Let's cover sleep next. Okay, so sleep hygiene is a term I talk a lot about. Sleep hygiene is the most important part of healthy sleep. It involves a consistent bedtime. All screens off an hour before desired bedtime. You can read in the hour before bedtime, but not in bed. And when you are in bed, you are only there to fall asleep. Yeah, you really want to condition your brain that when you're in bed, you're you're the brain's job is to go to sleep and not to try and read. And so, and my goal for these kids is about 10 to 12 hours of sleep each night, kind of longer when they're going through growth spurts, but at least 10 hours until they are done growing. So how do you think you did on sleep when you were this age? Mm, Not great. I've never been a great sleeper to be completely honest, (laughs) (laughs) as far as consistency goes, but I think I was very active. And so once my head hit the pillow, I was just out. So I think that's been a consistent, a consistent theme. (laughs) Well, I also did not do well with sleep at this age. So I think that it's a bit of a crusade uh, for me to help these kids with good sleep habits as a key to thriving. And so do you want to give a couple of those book titles for help with sleep? Absolutely. The first is Healthy Sleep Habits, Happy Child by Wise Bluth. And then second is Solve Your Child's Sleep Problems by Ferber. Perfect. And then one of the things I also recommend is sometimes some music to go to sleep. And and not all music is really created equally. And people talk about classic music, but um, 
there's, there's some medical music that I recommend and the website is genolab.com. We'll put that on the, the podcast description, but it, they have different protocols for sleep, for anxiety, for relaxation, for focus. And they have a one month trial without cost. It's a legit actual free trial, but you know, a lot of things, you know, make you put a credit card in and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I recommend that to help out with, um, with music for sleep. Great. What is your recommendation regarding melatonin? So I like melatonin. It's natural. And I recommend a trial of about one to five milligrams of melatonin about 30 minutes before bedtime. Or if they are not able to fall asleep, they can take it about 30 minutes after they've gone to bed if they can't fall asleep very well. Great. Should parents worry about the daily use of melatonin? You get that question a lot. And, and melatonin doesn't have any carryover effect from day to day. It is released when the sun goes down, when the lights are low at night, and then it burns through your system over the night and is gone in the morning. So it's completely out of your system by, by every morning time. So I do recommend a trial off of melatonin every three to six months if it is used daily. And that's what the endocrinologists recommend as well. Um, and so it just it's, it's a good tool to use if you've done everything just right with your sleep hygiene, but they still are just staring at the ceiling. Um, you've worked on anxiety, if that's a thing, where they're having struggles with their mind racing. Yeah. But you worked on everything else, and they just cannot fall asleep. And melatonin, that's the job of melatonin in your brain to help it to calm down to go to sleep. So um, I think while we're talking about sleep as an important healthy life hack, let's talk about a couple others as well. Yeah. So two nutrition hacks, especially for athletes from dancers to soccer players is hydration goals. So eight ounces every one to two hours all day, every day. And then eating goals is to eat on a schedule every two to three hours, whole foods and protein preferred. Doesn't need to be an expensive protein shake or supplement and sandwiches are great too. Yeah, and I wish somebody would have talked to me about this when I was this age, you know, going into junior high and high school with athletics and everything, just because it's such an easy thing to do, to know, to be well hydrated, and to have some eating planning during this time of life, rather than just kind of take what happens and stuff like that. And I think it makes a huge difference to help with their consistency and athletic performance mm -hmm. in their practices and games. It makes a huge difference if they can be prepared nutritionally and with hydration every day for their their performances yeah a quick aside i recently heard someone's irrational fear was not having food with them so they always mm -hmm. have a snack <laughs> she's like in her mid-20s and she's like i always have a snack with me because hanger is is my worst enemy so <laughs> yeah yeah oh anyway well let's talk about self-esteem this is obviously challenging in junior high. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a time, like you mentioned in the beginning, where people are trying to find their identity and really struggle with who they are. And sometimes that that kind of boil, boils over into being critical of others. And so there's a book I like a lot. It, it does have a little bit of some mature themes, so parents probably should read it first. But It's called Re Reviving Ophelia, Reviving Ophelia. So do you remember who Ophelia is in, in Shakespeare literature? Absolutely. So Ophelia is Hamlet's love interest, who ultimately died of suicide when Hamlet followed her father, his father's advice to reject her. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You have this accomplished, intelligent, talented, beautiful young woman who was every bit qualified to be the queen of Denmark, but is rejected. And then because, you know, she's rejected by this, you know, Hamlet, she ends up suiciding. And so, and what you really see in her is that, that she needed to have someone's approval and that relationship define her. And so that she was kind of seeking her definition through others, in this case, through a boyfriend. And so, um, so what, what I really try and do is, is help people learn to gain identity through their talents their abilities or skills um, that they can say, I'm part of the soccer team or I'm, you know, on the dance company and, or I'm good at math or band or whatever. And that helps give them identity. So they don't seek identity through, you know, other people's, um, you know, approval. Kind of a really interesting comment that just came to mind is that Will Smith talks about how people oftentimes seek to get their self-esteem by looking in broken mirrors. Mm. And there probably isn't a time of life that has more broken mirrors than junior high when everybody's mirror is kind of broken and people are looking to other people in their broken mirrors to get their self-esteem. And so it's it's a pretty big challenge. And so, um, yeah, so, so trying to help them get definition through their talents or abilities or skills, their, um, those kind of things is, really important. So, um, yeah. And so maybe it's also kind of an early plug. I know it's really early, so no dating, but, but for no steady dating. So, so what were some of the advantages you appreciated to not doing steady dating during high school? Hmm. Well, dating requires a lot of emotional capital. So Mm -hmm. I think being able to not have to worry about the emotional output quite as much and focus on other things like you said developing talents hobbies sports focusing on school and enjoying the light-hearted friendships that are so wonderful at this time and later that are a distraction but also help you develop the emotional intelligence and communication skills that are going to serve you your entire life. So I think it lowers the pressure and allows you to focus on building friendships and hopefully developing relationships over time. So those are some of the things that came to mind. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I would understand too, is that you have that emotional intelligence to know what kind of relationship relationships make you happy. Mm-hmm. And then unless you can experience all different kinds of relationships and the differences and personalities, they never really know what kind of people you enjoy being with. And so, yeah. yeah, so I think that's kind of a good, a good plug, even though it's really early, you know, kind of junior high years, but just to prepare for that as they go into um, getting some attraction between boys and girls. And so, um, and maybe one last item I'll throw out there is just um, kind of body image and not comparing weights. We get, you know, because we have a pretty tall group of people here in Utah, um, you know, we get a lot of people that will be taller. And of course, that when they're taller, they should be heavier and be healthy still. And a lot of time people, especially girls, girls are comparing weights and trying to figure out who's thin and who's not. And so, but uh, we got many tall girls who are a lot heavier, who have a wonderful body mass index. And, and uh, so just trying to plant in, in the, the kids' minds, especially the girls, about what a healthy body image is as well. So Great. 
Well, the next is the plan items for developing independent adults. For 11 years old, they can arrange for own haircuts. I'm guessing both calling the salon or recruiting your parent to do so. Yes, whatever it takes. <laughs> um, cleaning the refrigerator and cupboards, straightening drawers and closets, sewing hems on clothes, baking pies, baking bread, making several main dishes, ironing clothes, meal planning, mowing the lawn, using the weed whacker, the favorite at our house, yes. the garden, <laughs> garden maintenance, good basic math skills, using a camera, learning to crochet or knit, neither of which I know how to do, mm. um, first aid training and babysitting class. Well, we'll see how you turn out on your independence skills. Yeah, whether I can crochet or knit. Whether you can crochet or knit. So it's looking it's looking dreary. So <laughs> <laughs> well then for twelve year olds, we talk about learning how to shop for clothing with basic fashion awareness, some good wardrobe planning, developing a reading program and including in that some newspaper reading, working on public speaking, work on weight control habits. And then making and keeping both dentist and doctor appointments, working on keeping a little little personal calendar, understanding some basic filing and putting things in a filing cabinet. Then some computer experiences, learning how to order something online. You know, back in the day it was by phone, but now probably through Amazon. And you might get too good at that. That might be dangerous. And so we could just ask, ask Alexa to do that. So <laughs> Um, whatever your faith tradition is, reading a book of scripture all the way through would be nice, getting a nice, thorough, in-depth understanding of their people's religion. Learning how to check the fluids in a car, working on painting some part of the interior or exterior of the house, some babysitting, some mending, cleaning windows, and, and using the internet, but be careful with having filters there. Great. Our last section is anticipatory guidance. Items we can talk about or to talk about or to talk about with your preteen. Yeah. So things either we'll talk about in the visit or else and talking about at home. And so first area is diet. And again, we talk about eating meals with the family. And this is important for lots of things, but especially for the relationships and preventing teen pregnancy and drug use are some nice collateral benefits. And then also encouraging healthy food choices. Great. Next is safety. Having bike and skateboard safety, wearing helmet, um, guns, making sure they're unloaded and locked up. One comment on that is there's still a pretty high rate of suicide in young men using handguns as a preferred method. And so and there's a you know some stats that a gun is much more likely to hurt somebody you love than an intruder. So keep them secured. We use a gun safe in our home as part of our gun safety. Great. And help use protective gear, as mentioned, knowing your child's friends and activities, wearing seatbelts, encouraging water safety and internet safety, particularly regarding pornography exposure. And then on help, you want to really encourage that adequate sleep and exercise we talked about earlier. Um, try to have one hour a day where they're getting sweaty you know, something they enjoy, help them find something interesting that they look forward to doing every day. 
than athletic conditioning and, and really helping them on weightlifting, which can be done safely, just not going heavy. People ask if their kid can lift weights. And I say, just make sure you do low weight and high reps and work on good technique. Mm-hmm. Um, on the weight management, you know, again, maintaining a healthy weight, setting some limits on TV, video games, computers. We, we've always talked about one hour a day or they can bank their screen time for the weekend if you're struggling with having kids get their homework done and those kind of things. And so um, get them with the dentist and also some, some feminine hygiene practices are good to talk about uh, with the daughters as they hit, hit puberty age. Great. For social, having age appropriate limits regarding how late to stay out with friends, making sure you're communicating often on where you are is great (laughs) um stress management learning coping mechanisms from parents or through counseling managing nervousness and sadness and i will say it's okay to have some sadness and worry as long as it doesn't become incapacitating and doesn't negatively affect the child's life and rises to the level of depression and anxiety as a mental health concern for sure acknowledging that feelings of attraction are normal yeah, and keeping this out in the open, keep it in the sunshine so that kids feel comfortable talking with you about the relationships and um, liking boys and girls, stuff like that. So um, just good that they can feel comfortable coming to talk to you. Yeah. Encouraging abstinence, both sexually, alcohol, drugs. And I would run through possible scenarios with your, your children, having some literal ro- role play when people are saying, even just kind of, goofy stuff like hey man want some drugs and you know and, and have their prepared answers we did that with you kids and, and and worked on saying hey what's your response you can make it funny or whatever just you know those kind of things but just work on and having what you're going to say when that situation comes up yeah yeah having family time to protect this even as kids spend more time with their friends and activities acknowledging peer pressure and risky behaviors Again, this is another kind of preparatory thing where helping kids know that their friends will start choosing some bad behavior and so they can prepare for it so it's not a surprise. And again, prepping for it so that the the kids won't go down that pathway with those same risky behaviors. So great. Uh peer refu- peer refusal, excuse me, and bullying. Yeah, just I think one of the most important parts about this as people are sometimes mean to other kids, it's helping them to understand that this behavior speaks to the problems that the bullies and their frenemies are having, not about their child. And that can be difficult because things can be pretty personal, but helping them understand that no matter how personal it is, it still speaks to more about that other child with the broken mirror um, that is the problem. Yeah. So while we want to give privacy, withdrawal from family is not normal. Yeah, I talk about this actually pretty often too, where you know, regularly being in a dark room with headphones on, with a hoodie over their head, isn't healthy. And so and sometimes people say, well, they're just they're being a teenager, but they're just those withdrawal away from the family isn't normal. It's, it, they should still enjoy being with their family, even as they branch out to spend more time with other friends. Help them become involved with school activities, religious, cultural, and volunteer activities. 
I think those are all great bits of advice. And so I think kind of just my summary is that, you know, junior high is a time when a lot of kids are trying to figure themselves out a lot feel, yeah, a lot feel lost and elevate themselves by putting others down. And if the current friends start to make bad choices or bring a negative experience into their relationship, then they can choose new friends. You know, with junior high, you get to pick classes that you like based on your hobbies and talents and interests. And then you meet people in those classes and get to make friends who have the same interests. And so it's a great chance to branch out from the small group of friends you may have in your elementary school class to be able to make new friendships. And and especially if the, the friends that you grew up with are pulling a different direction that's not healthy and good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. That's a wrap. We will be back with episode for 13 to 15 year olds. So we're excited for that one. (laughs) Great. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to getting together again next time. Kid Doc is available wherever you find your other favorite podcast. If you enjoyed what we shared with you today, be sure to like us and subscribe to help other listeners like you find us. On our website, we will add supporting materials and other helpful items from this and other podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast, while carefully considered, are ultimately the opinions of the presenters and not necessarily of our employers or of any other organizations with which we are affiliated. And remember, the content of this podcast shouldn't be seen as a substitute for seeking actual personal medical care. If this is an emergency, hang up and dial 911. Otherwise, schedule a visit with a caring doctor to help with your concerns.